0: Hi and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed and scale your business. Hi everybody and welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host Christian Klepp, and today I'm super excited to have a guest on the show from beautiful San Francisco, who is also a sought-after expert in the field of customer experience, Lynn Hansaker. Lynn, welcome to
1: the show. Thanks, Christian. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, great. It's uh, Lynn. It's really like fantastic to finally reconnect with you since we uh, last met in May 2019 at the uh, CXPA event here in Toronto. Back then, when we were still doing um, you know live and in-person events. Um, and, you know, during that, um, during that event, you spoke at length about an interesting topic, and that was um, creating a CX movement within organizations. So definitely excited to have you on the show.
1: Absolutely. My favorite topic.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we get started? And, uh, you know, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do?
1: Sure. My company is Clear Action Continuum, and it's based on my long experience in customer experience management as well as marketing um, I'm past president of the Silicon Valley American Marketing Association, and I teach marketing operations at UC Santa Cruz Extension right now. It's actually Marketing Ops 2.0, which is not your run-of-the-mill Marketing Ops. It's actually focused on uh, organizational adoption and accountability for, uh, for marketing as well as customer intelligence, which brings in the customer experience angle. And I got my start as a voice of the customer manager in 1991 in a company wide uh, effort at Sonoco Products, where I was reporting into the strategic planning group. So long history there.
0: Wow. Um, that is quite an incredible background you've got there. And, uh, you know, Lynn, you've undoubtedly gained so much in terms of experience and built up the, you know, quite the network over the years from the different uh, roles and responsibilities that you've had. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so tell me, Lynn, like, what, what are you working on these days that, I mean, you're clearly a very passionate person, but what, what is that one particular project you're working on at the moment that's gotten you really, like, excited and motivated?
1: Well, we talked to a number of companies a while back, uh, mostly directors and VPs of marketing, about the types of things that were holding them back from full performance in uh, their teams. And what we found was they were really striving toward agility. And what we mean by that Mm -hmm. is not agile marketing, but rather organizational agility, Mm -hmm. being nimble. And boy, is the time right for that with this pandemic. We're finding that uh, being nimble is the name of the game as things shift so quickly with our customers. So we have a solution which we call the Clear Action Value Exchange, which allows marketing teams as well as customer success and customer experience and customer service teams to be uh, Learn how to be more accountable, more aligned internally and externally, and more agile and scalable as an organization, as well as to use customer intelligence to help the whole enterprise to do so. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's an incredible insight, and uh, you know, thanks so much for bringing that up. Um, I'm curious to know. You mentioned the word agile, and this certainly doesn't mean agile marketing, but I'm I'm curious to know what you found in terms of like you know. How easy it would be for customers to do that. That find themselves in large organizations where flexibility and agility um, might be a bit more of a challenge.
1: Well, it is always a challenge, and I've even found that um, the the notion of it being easier in a small company is mm-hmm. sometimes a misnomer. Right, um, but yeah, by and large, it is. But um, what the trick of it is is two things. Uh, first of all, you need to be aligned with customers. And how do you do that? By um, using customer intelligence to understand what what your customers actually are striving toward, what their realities are, what their expectations are. And you uh, educate all roles in terms of what their handoffs and decision-making lens should be to be in alignment. So the use of customer intelligence in that way. And then secondly, um, to uh, think ahead of the curve, uh, right, in terms of what customers are needing and uh, be ahead in terms of uh, use of that customer intelligence. So it really does re- revolve around customer intelligence. And in some ways, a large organization has many advantages uh, with so many resources uh, at hand and alliances and other relationships. So any case, uh, large and small um, being more nimble for the market really requires a different use of our customer intelligence.
0: Right. And those are some really great points that you brought up. And in fact, um, if I may say so, I, I, I believe that, you know, where somebody like yourself adds value to the equation is um that you assume the role. Actually, you have multiple roles in that equation, if I'm not mistaken, because one is that you are also an enabler an and a facilitator. But at the same time, you're also like Uh, something of a navigator because you're helping the organization to get aligned and you're helping them to navigate through these changes that they need to make in order to stay, um, you know, on top of their game.
1: 100%. Right.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, Lynn, like, like many organizations and uh, businesses, you know, you probably ushered in 2020 with plans to expand and grow your business. and, And then, and then the pandemic happened. So, Talk to us about what what has changed for you. Um, I, I mean, knowing full well that you know a big part of your business is already online, but you know there there have been undoubtedly some changes in the past couple of months, uh, nonetheless. So, what has changed for you, and what what is your what you know what are your current um, focus um, things that you're focusing on and your priorities for your business?
1: All right. So um, I went into this a bit bullish
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because we do have a track record of um, all kinds of solutions online and uh, remotely. So that is not really new to us. Right. What we um, also realized early on was the need to resegment our customers and also, um, you know, become a little bit, well, fine tune our messaging so that there was higher relevance because the tolerance level is less than it used to be. Um, So those were big endeavors to improve our, our website and our messaging and our, um, you know, list cleanup and all of that. Um, What I didn't anticipate was so much online fatigue. So Uh that has really taken a toll um, quite unexpectedly uh, especially with our target audience, which is marketing, customer service, <laughs> customer exe- su- success, and customer experience. These particular groups were called on to provide customer intelligence to redo their events that were in person, now make them online or you know, totally overhaul what they were doing, um, get involved in um, quite a number of things, including the social justice uh, in. Um, inclusiveness equity and diversity so uh, I think that you know the toll on this group has been quite immense in some cases they've um, had some cutbacks that's been very painful in other cases they're just going bonkers right so uh, you know with growth um, unanticipated and uh, expanding their their ranks remotely um, hiring a lot of people without ever having actually met them in person. So that's pretty interesting and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of demands on them. So that has had kind of a, a whiplash on us. But what we're looking forward to is a renewed interest in, well, the use of customer intelligence and how uh, firms are really hungering for it right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are some really, um, you know, interesting observations that you mentioned. And, and and back to your point, you were talking about like, uh, you know, that you uh, you found yourself having to resegment your customers. Uh, could you expand on that a little bit, or or give us an example?
1: Well, of course, um, people in retail and hospitality are having a harder time than others, and yeah. so uh, you know, being cognizant of that and um, being aware of certain sectors that are growing faster and maybe needing additional help or having additional bandwidth to accommodate um, resources. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's just a, a different lens than we started out 2020 with. Right. Right. Exactly.
0: Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. A lot of organizations and businesses have put their uh, CX initiatives on hold due to the pandemic or have reduced their budgets considerably until further notice. And I know for a fact, um, you know, talking to a couple of the um, people in the space um, over here in Canada, and that that was definitely the case or has been the case for the past couple of months. So, um, and I would imagine um, it, it would be um, pretty much the same over in the United States, so you know, what kind of advice have you been giving um, your clients and partners uh, during this period, considering that many of them are working with uh, limited resources?
1: Right. The first thing that came to mind when all of this was happening is mm-hmm. if you have been in an analytic uh, role or um, you know doing things on a narrow basis, Mm -hmm. then you might be more at risk than if you've been doing things on a broader basis and more actioned, more actioning. Mm -hmm. So that's where your value is going to be seen now, I believe. And you can make a, well, your customer experience initiatives should not be put on hold for sure. Uh, But now is the time for action. Now is the time to take your customer intelligence and weave it in with what people are doing. Make it part of what they uh, access in preparation for their QBRs, for their staff meetings, for their meetings with customers, for whatever they're doing. Find ways to provide them with customer intelligence that's relevant to them. This could be the best way that you can ensure your longevity, uh, grow your career, and certainly have an impact on today's Progress in your company and in our economy as a whole.
0: That's um, that's pretty sound advice, I would say. And uh, you, you know, you brought up an interesting point um, about uh, customer intelligence, uh, which also leads me to my next question. Um, so, at a virtual coffee chat of the CXP in Toronto, which was held um, in July, you know, there were several topics that were being discussed. But one of the things we talked at length about was how organizations and businesses can stay close to customers in times of crises using research, right? So research and data and analytics and so forth. So in your professional opinion, why do you believe that that's so important and what type of opportunities could scaling customer research present to CX professionals? So that's to say like, you know, conducting market research during the pandemic instead of just completely putting um, initiatives of that nature on hold.
1: Well, I think that there's always been a fair amount of almost free voice of the customer available to us, which I call customer-initiated voice of the customer. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of company-initiated VOC that we also have not made full use of. So I would look to see how we could expand the use of what we already have available to us. Now, for the customer-initiated, you actually need to be using text mining, voice mining, uh, various technologies or techniques, which you could even do old school with mm-hmm. spreadsheets and whatnot um, if it came down to that. But, um, for example, when customers call your contact center or customer success, they're usually expressing some kind of challenge that they ran into. where They were saying, I was trying to do X, but Y, ha- y happened. And now Z is my consequence. Wow, that is rich. You usually don't get that level of information from other types of company-initiated voice of the customer. This represents a huge opportunity to understand customers more deeply and to uh, find those nuggets that we can make available to legal and procurement and hr and engineering and you know the whole gamut of functional areas so that they all have their piece of information that helps them to make their decisions more in accordance with what customers are really sensitive to so that's one thing mm-hmm. Yes. Um, as far as other research, I think that if we change our questions on the company-initiated uh, surveys and such uh, to less about how do you rate me, um, would you recommend me, did I do well? Instead, change those questions to um, what are you trying to get done? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's most important to you? Um, how well are we contributing to that? what should we stop doing? What should we start doing? Maybe the questions would be more qualitative and therefore, okay, use those technologies that I just mentioned to sort through that and make them quantitative or actionable. But frankly, the um, prescriptive comments are more actionable than numbers anyway. Uh, I think that the, the big trick is to let go for a time of this, you know, natural VOC fixation on trends and instead, uh, create new trends. by because we are in new times, and uh, the trend data is maybe not as important as just getting things right for customers, this just re- represents a huge opportunity to understand customers from a different angle.
0: Great observations and insights, and uh, you know, thanks again for sharing that. And uh, you know, you brought up um, you you brought up a, a point which I believe is is so valid. Um, you know, um. In, in terms of customer experience, because it's, you know, clearly the pandemic has um, caused a massive disruption to um, global economies, to um, different industries and, and, and various um, uh, segments um, of the economy. Um, but in terms of like CX, it's also allowed us to take a step back and review um Existing uh, methodologies that have been practiced for such a long time, and you know, find a way to not necessarily disrupt, but continuously innovate and improve the way that we are. Say, for example, uh, you know, with regards to this question, um, how can we improve the way that we conduct market research if the behavior of the customers has changed in the past couple of months? Um, Maybe that maybe that will also influence, um, for example, the personas that we've created and the customer, um, the customer journeys that we have, and those have probably also been disrupted um, as a result of this crisis. So how can we iterate those to adjust them and make them more relevant, um, to the current period and also moving forward? Because you know, even when things do roll back to normal, there would have still been some things that have probably permanently changed.
1: Absolutely. So with regard to customer journeys, mm-hmm. I think this is a real opportunity to dig down deeper in terms of what are the behind the scenes things that customers are doing in their decision making process and their use of our solution. Um, we tend to to get kind of wrapped around the axle in uh, customer journeys as I've as I've observed them in terms of what we are doing and the touch points we have and where we have that opportunity to uh, upsell and cross-sell and whatever, I think what we really need to do is learn a little bit more about not only where they touch us, but what are they doing behind the scenes? Where, what are they doing when they're not touching us, but it does relate to their decision-making process in purchasing or repurchasing, as well as the use of, of our product and service we can probably learn quite a lot from that that can inform some innovations, some uh, ways to improve ease of business, uh, maybe even some ways of improving ease of work. And I really think that ease of business and ease of work should be our mantras for the decade of 2020.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, ease of business and ease of work. And uh, if I may throw in a, a, a third one, which is... um identifying gaps and, you know, using um, or leveraging these gaps and turning them into opportunities that we probably wouldn't have noticed if we weren't going through a crisis.
1: Yes, and there are some examples of companies doing that. Um, maybe not that I can call on right off, mm-hmm. <laughs> right off mm-hmm. hand, but um, certainly um, this is a, a time for thinking differently. I think when it comes to personas, it's an opportunity to rethink how we're doing that because we normally will segment our customers based on, um, somewhat arbitrary categories. Um, but you know, also usage, that type of category, but at the end of the day, it's not really, um, increasing people's usage or, um, you know, some a lot of these uh, categories we use for segmentation, uh, getting those right, that earns us new business. What it what it really boils down to is quite simple: customer experience success, as well as business success, is about delivering realities to customers that meet or exceed their expectations. Right now, people have historically been a bit. Uh, nervous or uncomfortable with basing their business on customers' expectations. But good grief, we certainly have shifting expectations now, and yeah. the winners are the ones who are able to navigate that, right? Indeed. So, uh, what I found is in experimenting with some different segmentation methods, if you really look at customer comments over a period um Especially if you have a, a rich uh, variety of sources of customer comments, you can identify some common threads that naturally pop out across the end to end journey for a group of customers and then another group. And I would just remove all pre defined labels, um, any kind of preconceived notions, and just look at stuff blankly. Okay. Just look at stuff purely. And I've found that you can identify two or three key threads that then can be, uh, characterized as a persona across the journey in terms of, uh, what are the, the, uh, moments of truth or those points where customers can just abandon the relationship or, um, engage in negative word of mouth, or otherwise uh, increase their enthusiasm for the brand and um, communicate those very simple few personas to all organizations in the company. That's what's missing right now in marketing and customer experience as far as becoming an, an agile organization is we aren't finding a simple way to characterize our uh, customer base in two or three personas that aren't role-based but are rather expectations-based. And as such, the persona, the nature of what customers care about and um, the description of uh, the consequences to them becomes really meaningful to every functional area regardless where you sit in the company. There's something they can borrow from that to bring into their everyday decisions, as well as their strategic planning, which, of course, uh, right now in in the timeline of the year for most companies is quite a critical opportunity. Yeah. So anyone who's curious about how to do this, um, I welcome them to contact me. (laughs) (laughs) It's something I've been talking about quite a lot. um, And I, I think that it's really groundbreaking and serves as a basis for Uh, so much more progress in customer experience management. I think also with these uh, surveys, if you're asking people about themselves, you won't have response rate issues. People will talk about what they're trying to do and what they would like more, what they would like less. They just don't like to to grade somebody else. And I think every manager would acknowledge that. Um, Doing performance reviews is like the least favorite part of a manager's job, and yet we kind of ask our customers to do that, Um, whereas if we turned it around and let them talk about what they're trying to do, and then just uh, translate that into meaningful, actionable uh, trends and um, sentiment and, um, well comparison of, uh, expectations and reality, that could be very w- welcomed across our, our enterprises as useful to them in aligning with customers.
0: Wow. Uh, those insights were gold, Lynn. I, I really hope that, um, the listeners were taking notes as you were talking in the past couple of minutes,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: but, um, you, you know, you, you brought up the point of, um, which, uh, which totally resonates with me about, um, you know, how how expectations within organizations are also based on preconceived notions. And uh, this would probably, you know, now more than ever be the time to like have a look at those preconceived notions and just get rid of them, iterate them, because so much has changed uh, in, in, in terms of like, you know, w- regardless of which spectrum of customer experience you're looking at, then it might not even make sense to have those expectations anymore.
1: That's true. It's an opportunity to reset in good ways and um, i think that if we are looking at a glass half full we can find the wherewithal to do that
0: indeed so lynn how do you think this pandemic has altered um customer experience and how will it push um cx practitioners to improve as well as prepare for the future
1: right i think that customers have first of all experienced that brands can be human to human we got a taste of that really clearly in April and May of 2020. In particular, Um, things became much more complicated as things opened in the summer. And we had also a lot of protests. And um, I think that some, many organizations just really had to also kind of pound the pavement to keep, you know, keep things running. So it feels like a lot of that H to H, human to human um, progress that we saw in April and May has kind of faded to a large extent. I would like to see that that comes back, that that bounces back as a key facet of most organizations, um, not only treatment of customers, but how they manage their business overall. And I suppose the ongoing strain on employees will be one of the driving forces toward that Um, also of course digitalization has become much more blatantly uh, glaring in places where there are gaps um, both in uh, customers access to information and to uh, products as well as the running of businesses and uh, approval processes and all kinds of things that have hit snags with the work from home movement. Um, I also believe that customers are going to uh, demand that we, uh, I believe that customers are going to demand that we hold on to a lot of this and that we, never turn back to the old way. So while many companies will struggle with um, maintaining a new normal and they want to go back to the old normal, I believe that the ones who are more progressive are the ones who are going to be the winners in the this decade of 2020s.
0: Yeah, in, indeed, indeed. And, and it, it's interesting, um, speaking of new normal, um, which leads me to my next question. Um, there, you know, this has been a buzzword that's been floating around for a couple of months now. So from your own interpretation, what do you think is this new or this next normal that we're going to be returning to? Probably more digital.
1: Yes, more digital, but also more human. I think that the more digital we become, the more reali- realization we have that it's not enough to do digital. We have to be digital, meaning that we're striving to be seamless in our uh, electronic um uh, Um, conveyance of information and services, but we also have to be seamless in our interactions internally, having more shared vision, more collaboration, more uh, seamlessness in the way that we approach our projects. I think that's a real big opportunity for anyone. When you're assigning somebody something that they should be working on, the first thing that should come to mind for the person taking that assignment is, where else in the company has this type of thing been done? Who else cares about this? Um, What can I do to learn from anything relevant? And what can I do to help others learn from what I'm doing? And as, as we approach our assignments in that way, we can prevent silos instead of creating yet more silos So silo smoothing is really the ultimate endeavor of digitalization, I believe. But silo smoothing needs to happen on so many dimensions. And uh, every study that I've seen, McKinsey and others talking about digitalization, roadblocks or hiccups that organizations have faced, talk about the importance of culture. And culture is nothing more than a group's way of thinking and doing and therefore, uh, being digital, <laughs> being seamless yes. in our mindset is a super key for the new normal. Absolutely.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. Um, well, Lynn, this has been so fantastic. Um, did you have any other like you know, uh, thoughts or advice that you'd like to leave the listeners with before we wrap up?
1: Well, I think in order for people to take on these new mindsets, it's important for them to learn new techniques in small bites. Um, instead of taking people to training that, uh, you know, lasts so long. And, you know, frankly, nobody can afford it nowadays uh, with all the demands we have at home as well. Um, So learning in small bits how to think differently, how to use uh, techniques uh, that may have been proven elsewhere but might not have ever been really applied in marketing and customer experience, customer success, customer intelligence roles, Um, This is really a big opportunity to uh, move our professions forward and to be at the the forefront where we need to be to uh, influence our whole company to be more nimble, to be more aligned internally and externally. So that's where I'm glad to have the Clear Action Value Exchange as that resource that can help them to do that.
0: And it seems to be such an interesting combination of, um, you know, know, and you brought up these points uh, throughout the discussion about, like, you know, um, processes, uh, methodology, uh, coupled with uh, technology, but also at the same time, uh, mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is there is going to be um, human uh, human to human interaction throughout uh, throughout this entire um, cycle and throughout these different processes.
1: That's right. Our, Our mental models. Um, need to be more transparent to one another, like what is the basis for our decisions, and I think that the basis for our decisions is undergoing some evolution. So that makes it even more important as we don't have the physical cues of uh, vocal and uh, visual communication, but we we remote communication. Um, that makes it all the more important to be transparent with one another.
0: Absolutely, and the. Uh... Lynn, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, you know, What's the best way for people out there to connect with you?
1: Well, you can always find me at LinkedIn, Lynn Hunsaker, or uh, contact me at success at clearaction.com.
0: Fantastic. Lynn, this has been such an excellent, uh, motivating, and eye-opening conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Um, take care, be safe, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, Christian. Thanks. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Imblick, please visit our website at www.imblick.co, and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.